if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. All of that. Thanks for joining us. Push that button over there, please. It's seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock as we get rolling on this Tuesday morning. It is the 28th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2020. Coming up on the program today, we are going to be talking with uh, Ohio State Senator Christina Rogner. She'll be with us in about a half an hour. We're going to talk about the Ohio corruption charges, the Larry Householder arrest, uh, and all of the, uh, 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 let's just say, all of the ramifications let's put it that way of the alleged 61 billion dollar bribery or a million dollar bribery scheme this is a big deal this is a very big deal as a matter of fact uh, for obvious reasons the speaker of the house is being called upon to resign the speaker of the ohio house is being called upon to resign by republicans now Rep- or senator rogner is not one of those thus far we're going to ask her directly whether or not she thinks a uh, householder needs to resign and what needs to be done to clean up this mess and fix the ohio Rep- Republican Party and the Ohio Republican Party's representation in the Ohio legislature. The General Assembly is 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 going to be hurt on both sides, of the Senate and the House. They're going to be hurt by this uh, when it comes to re-election time, when it comes to trust in terms of uh, the the uh, residents of the and the uh, constituents of the state of Ohio. So Christina Rogner is going to join us to talk about householder and the entire affair, and also. Of course, about the impact on uh, the uh, House Bill 6, which was at the center of all of this, or at least a lot of this. So we're going to talk to Christina Rogner at 935 about that. 1010, Peter Kersenow will be joining us to talk about systemic racism and whether or not such a thing exists in the United States of America, the greatest force for good in the history of human civilization, and most importantly, the least racist country on the face of planet Earth. That's what Peter Kirstenau is going to be talking about with us at 1010 this morning. So I look forward to that conversation, and I invite you to join the conversation at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers gets you here. News today, Bill Barr is going to come out swinging at the House Judiciary Committee. Attorney General Bill Barr is going to speak for the first time before the Judiciary Committee today about the Russiagate scandal. Now, you might think, why? What's the purpose of this? It's over, right? Well, it is, but it isn't, because two things are important to note. Number one is the fact that 
liberal Democrats like Adam Schiff have have promised to continue the investigation, even though the uh, Mueller report was completed and it was reported upon. He testified on it, and zero, zero fault was found with Donald J. Trump and his team during the 2016 presidential election. Zero fault. That's right. They could find nothing prosecutable or condemnable at all uh, against Donald Trump and his team. The Mueller report uh, uh, cleared Donald Trump, essentially, and so this should be over, right? It's not. Uh, so, number one, it's because of what the report said and what Bob Mueller said. And number two, the other, and, and the fact that Adam Schiff said he's going to continue to investigate, even after Donald Trump leaves office, they're going to continue to investigate anything and everything they can. It's not just, hey, let's try to kick him out. Of, here, here, here's the act in three stages. Stage one, prevent him from being president. And we saw this, of course, in the uh, statements of the FBI lovers, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Prevent him from being president. Step two is, if he gets, if he does become president, if he somehow wins, we have to use our insurance policy, our insurance plan, and have him, uh, have him uh, removed from office, have him impeached. Step three would be, okay, if he isn't impeached and he gets to serve out his term or terms, destroy his legacy in the aftermath. We'll go after him even after he is a private citizen. So this is this is you know kind of the goal of the left. So number this, this is that's step one. I know I'm kind of giving you a whole bunch of numbers here. There were three phases in that, or three stages in that. But the two reasons reasons that it is important for Bill Barr to testify before the House Judiciary Committee today. One is Adam Schiff is going to keep investigating, and Bill Barr needs to provide truth to the American people here in advance of all of that. And number two, because heads still need to roll. This is the other reason why John Durham, the uh, uh, federal prosecutor who has been tasked with investigating the investigation, and that's the best way to say that, John Durham has been investigating the investigators, all of those who were responsible for spying on Team Trump and spying on American citizens, all for political reasons, using extraordinarily important federal resources to do so, and in fact weaponizing our own FBI against American citizens. So today's testimony by Bill Barr is important for those two reasons. Number one, to stop future or at least to try to limit the damage that could be done by future investigations put forth by uh, dishonest, disreputable people like Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler. So that's number one. And number two, because heads need to roll so that nobody else even tries this again. John Durham's investigation is supported by Bill Barr, and Bill Barr is going to let them have it today, according to a transcript of his prepared remarks. The Attorney General is going to go hard at the liberal liars and the uh, weaponized FBI for what they did to Donald Trump and his team in the Russiagate investigation from the very beginning. Then he is also going to go very hard at those who continue to enable the mass rioting that is going on in multiple American cities right now. He's going to speak out on the violence. He's going to speak out on the assault on police. He's going to speak out on black-on-black crime, something that Black Lives Matter refuses to touch, even though they say Black Lives Matter. Thousands and thousands of black lives are taken every year, and they don't care because they're taken by other black lives. Black people killing black people at extraordinary rates. 
that complete are completely disproportionate to their 13% of the population, demographically speaking. So Barr is going to go after all of it today, and I cannot wait for this. Normally, I wouldn't sit by and watch hours of a congressional hearing or a congressional committee testimony, but I am going to want to hear this. The Attorney General's unusually aggressive posture says one report will be matched by similarly full-throated arguments from GOP lawmakers on the panel, including Jim Jordan, who talked to us about this yesterday. Um, And he's going to highlight former Attorney General Eric Holder's remark that he was Barack Obama's wingman. Because, you know, there. see, here's the thing. What what Barr is going to do today is going to lead to even more accusations of him not putting the uh, American law first, not putting the um, Department of Justice first, but putting uh, President Donald Trump first. They're going to accuse him of being Trump's personal damage control attorney rather than the nation's attorney general. All right, that's what they're going to do when they come after him. And Jim Jordan is going to point out, are you kidding me? Uh, Eric Holder literally said that he was Barack Obama's personal damage control attorney. He called himself Obama's wingman rather than being the top cop as the AG in charge of the Department of Justice. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Ever since I made it clear I was going to do everything I could to get to the bottom of the grave abuses involved in the bogus Russiagate scandal, many of the Democrats on this committee have attempted to discredit me by conjuring up a narrative that I am simply the president's factotum who disposes of criminal cases according to his instructions, Barr will say, at least according to the transcript that has been released. Judging from the letter uh, inviting me to this hearing, that appears to be your agenda today, to accuse me of not putting the nation first or putting the law first, but putting my relationship with President Trump first. He's going to go on to deny that the president interfered improperly with any of his decisions, and then he's going to show statistics showing progress on racial, racial justice issues, as I noted. Police forces today, this is another part of the prepared transcript that is uh, expected to be delivered by Bill Barr today. Police forces today are far more diverse than ever before. There are both more black police chiefs and more black officers in the ranks. Although the death of George Floyd, an unarmed black man at the hands of the police, was a shocking event, the fact is that such events are fortunately quite rare. According to statistics compiled by the Washington Post, and by the way, it's important that he's going to note this, because that's the liberal Jeff Bezos owned Washington Post. So even the liberal post compiling the statistics has to admit that the number of unarmed black men killed by police uh, so far this year is eight. The number of unarmed white men killed by police over the same time period is 11. Some unarmed suspects, moreover, were physically attacking officers or threatening officers at the time they were shot. And the overall number of police shootings has been decreasing. Now, that might not be a good thing. I'll pause there, and that's the, the last quote I'm going to share with you from the expected testimony of Barr today. But the last quote is uh, is important, or the last part is important. The Overall, the number of uh, police shootings has been decreasing. That might not be a positive thing. And you say, why? Why would you want police to be shooting more people? Because police aren't able to do their jobs in an effective manner if they cannot be proactively policing. If they were proactively policing, guess what? They would come upon more violent crimes in progress and then perhaps be able to stop those violent crimes. And those violent crimes being stopped probably would necessitate more police shootings. And I don't want police to shoot anybody, but I know crime is going to be, continue to be committed. And if police are doing their jobs and are allowed to, 
uh, and proactively go into dangerous, high, violent crime areas and actually save victims rather than just coming in to take statements after victims have been killed, uh, then that's a good, that's a net gain for the community. That's an important point here. And I'm glad that uh, he's going to talk about it, uh, talking about Attorney General Barr. But that's an important point. We'll talk about this with uh, Kersenow as well. Black-on-black crime is an extraordinary... You know, it's funny. uh, Organizations or or, uh, governmental bodies like the Cuyahoga County Council and the Cleveland City Council are passing these ridiculous um, uh, statements, if you will, uh, declaring these declarations, declaring that racism is a public health crisis, and it makes no sense whatsoever. But racism—that's what they've done. They've 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 declared that racism is a public health crisis. The only thing that's even close to that that you could actually call a public health crisis would be black on black crime. Thirteen percent of the population is committing over fifty percent of the homicides. That 13% of the population is African-Americans. They are committing over 50% of the murders, and 94% of their victims are other black people. So if there is a serious health problem here related to race, it would be uh, intra-racial crime in the black community. It's extraordinarily dangerous. And guess what? The only people who can stop and save those black lives... The only people who can get in there and actually save black lives before they are taken in such violence are the people that Black Lives Matter want to be abolished. Just ponder that conundrum for just a moment. Black Lives Matter says they care about black lives, but the individuals that can save black lives are police officers, and they want the police to be abolished. All right, there's a lot to to dig into there. We're going to get into all of that. Uh, Gun sales surging uh, in the United States of America as anarchy continues to grow and reign. Uh, Complete head-in-the-sand responses from liberal Democrats who say, no, these are mostly peaceful protests. Journalism is dying as nobody will call them out on it. I want to get into all of that as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. Attorney General Bill Barr going to get after all of it today, and I am uh, I'm so excited to see that. Ever since I made it clear I was going to do everything I could to get to the bottom of the grave abuses involved in the bogus Russiagate scandal, Barr is going to say, many of the Democrats on this committee have attempted to discredit me by conjuring up a narrative that I am simply the president's factotum who disposes of criminal cases according to his instructions. Judging from this letter inviting me to the hearing, to this hearing, that appears to be your agenda today. So let me turn to that first. He is going to uh, defend himself and his integrity on the job. And I agree with you, Hewitt, who said House Democrats have picked the wrong target. Bill Barr is probably smarter than anybody on that panel, uh, and that includes Jim Jordan and includes people that, who, with whom I agree. Uh, and he's probably smarter than any 10 of them put together on the Democrat side. This is the wrong target for them to choose, and I'm so glad he's going to come out. He's going to talk not only about, as I say, the Russiagate uh, scandal and the investigation, again, heads need to roll. That's why this is so important. But he's going to talk about the ongoing violence in the name of social justice, in the name of racial justice. 
Antifa rioters continue to destroy city after city after city, and Democrats continue to bury their heads in the sand. Bill Barr is going to call it out for what it is, and he's going to talk about Black Lives Matter, an, a Marxist organization that, that whose intent is to destroy the United States of America by destroying its foundation from the very beginning, which is the family destroying the nuclear family. They don't want mothers and fathers together in the same home raising children because then those children are going to learn the family values as opposed to if they are raised with a single parent and then more impressionable and first certainly undisciplined, but more impressionable and open to ideas advanced uh, in the schools. And by the way, I've got a story on the schools that will blow your mind a little bit later this morning about uh, this indoctrination sort of uh, curriculum that is being imposed. But uh, they don't believe in uh, the nuclear family. They want control. They want the state to be able to have as much of a say over what your kid believes than two parents do. Uh, Heather McDonald was on Tucker talking about this very thing, and she's been one of the most foremost experts on matters of race uh, as, as it pertains to policing as far as police-involved shootings, et cetera, et cetera, and also just the demographics of crime in the country. And some of the numbers I gave you before, she has uh, compiled from federal statistics and uh, beyond. But uh, Heather McDonald and Tucker Carlson last night talking about the family and about how two parents... This is what Larry Elder, by the way. You know, you're about to hear two white people talking about this, Tucker Carlson and Heather McDonald. This is what Larry Elder, though, talks about all the time. It's one of the reasons why the movie Uncle Tom was made, which I'll talk more about, too. But uh, particularly in the black community, the number of, of single-parent households, children growing up without fathers, is epidemic. That is a national health crisis. Listen to uh, Tucker and Heather. The first thing I notice, and, and I think it's the science on this is so clear, I don't think there's even a debate about it, but I notice that in affluent neighborhoods like the one I've spent a lot of my life living in, not one person will judge out-of-wedlock births, but there are no out-of-wedlock births. Everyone's married and has kids within marriage. What does that tell you? It tells you that the elites have lost faith in the bourgeois values that they practice but are not willing to articulate because they believe that somehow they're associated with white supremacy. We've been hearing a lot, Tucker, about this uh, white privilege meme. That's a poisonous fiction. Here's the real class divide in this country. And sadly, it's also a race divide. The likelihood of growing up with two married parents. I'm going to break a massive feminist taboo here and say that males matter, that fathers matter. That, that fathers bring a set of values and norms to child-rearing, whether it's self-reliance or self-discipline, honor and courage, on average, that complement what mothers can bring. Of course. And when you lose that symmetry and that emotional support for children that goes so far beyond economic support, which is largely irrelevant, it's the, question, it's the fact that you have twice as much uh, kinship support and people, the two parents can, can spell each other when one is exhausted. That's what results in successful children. And the anarchy that we've lived through with the looting and the rioting of the last month, Tucker, has been preceded by a more slow motion anarchy and breakdown, which is the breakdown of the family because our prisons today are filled almost exclusively with fatherless men. The anarchy we have lived with with the looting and the rioting has been preceded by a more slow-motion anarchy. 
and breakdown, which is the breakdown of the family, because our prisons today are filled almost exclusively with fatherless men. Absolutely spot-on analysis by Heather McDonald, and yet that is taboo. You're not supposed to promote the patriarchy, which means male uh, authority figures, and you're not supposed to point out the fact that children who don't grow up with fathers are much more likely to end up in prison because that defeats the narrative. Good stuff there. We'll take a quick time out, get the news. We'll come back and we'll talk to Christina Rugner, Ohio State Senator, coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 936. Yeah, yeah. It's about money, isn't it? About $61 million worth of money that uh, Ohio House Speaker Larry Holder is allegedly or has allegedly been involved in uh, funneling to resources, including himself. that has led to, to his arrest, uh, multiple charges against him and some of the other power brokers in Ohio, Republican politics, Jeff Longstreth, Matt Borges, and others, uh, all about controversial House Bill 6 and more. Joining us now to try to make a little bit of sense out of all of this is Ohio's 27th Senate District Representative, State Senator Christina Rogner, joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Senator, good to have you on the program. How are you this morning? Hi, Bob. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Senator Rogner, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear okay. me? Maybe she can't. Uh, see if we can... She can, I can't I can hear, hear her. You. Maybe you got to pot her up there for me. Let's turn her up. I can and hear see you. If, yeah, there. That's much better when we have the slider up. Okay, thank you. Christina uh, Rogner, thank you so much for joining us this morning. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good, good. Sorry about that. So um, let's dive into this as much as we can. Um I was looking for, because almost everybody has had a statement uh, with respect to the arrest of uh, uh, representative and former, soon-to-be former speaker, one would, would imagine, householder on this. Your statement was, it goes without saying that I, like many Ohioans, am appalled by the news today. Benefiting personally from any public position is simply a betrayal of the public trust, trust and I'm confident that our justice system will prevail over public corruption. Uh, Certainly an appropriate statement, but let's go a little bit deeper here. What is your opinion of of, uh, Speaker Householder? Well, I mean, I I was absolutely mortified. On Tuesday, I go down to Columbus, and uh, I was getting ready for committee, and I get a call from uh, a representative over in the House, and they let me know that Householder had been arrested. And I said, why? And at that point, they weren't even sure. And so as the day unfolded and, and it came to light, everything that had happened, uh, and it sounds like, and I'm sure you've heard all the charges, and it sounds like they have a substantial evidence, uh, you know, it's just, he, I, I believe he needs to resign. Uh, not only, obviously, his speakership will be stripped, but I think he should resign from the House, because uh, uh, there's no way, you know, obviously, you should be innocent until proven guilty. That's our justice system, uh, and, and that certainly is true, um, mm. but... How can he even focus on the job uh, and, and get the work done of the people of Ohio? So I, I do, I do support 
uh, yeah, you uh, you correctly anticipated my next question when I asked you how you felt about the Speaker, and that was whether or not he should be able to stay on, uh, because many people yeah. have called for his resignation publicly, so I'm glad to hear you say that as well. Um, you, you, obviously, we were all shocked by this, uh, but I'm not just shocked by that. I'm shocked by the depth of the investigation. And according to the FBI, I named a couple of the other uh, people who were arrested and allegedly involved in this. They say they're not done. There are more arrests that are going to be coming as they dig a little bit deeper into this. This means, you know, let me ask you what it means, rather, uh, to the trust that Ohio residents and citizens and constituents can place in their leadership The Republican Party has had a pretty strong stranglehold on the General Assembly in Ohio for a while now, and this is is cutting right to their core. Can the people of Ohio trust the Republican Party and the Ohio General Assembly in general to to lead them with with integrity and honesty? In in general, yes. I mean, the vast majority of the representatives and the senators that I know uh, are there with the best of intentions and to serve the people of Ohio. I mean, so while this has certainly been a very ugly and painful uh, revelation, you know, I'm glad it happened. I'm really thankful that the FBI figured this out and they've, they've brought it to light uh, because if, it, if they hadn't, then the folks that were able to perpetrate such a scheme would think they can get away with it, and then they would this would obviously continue. So, uh, yeah, so I'm glad they were caught. I'm glad it was brought to light. I mean, it's a painful revelation, but I think in the end, it's, uh, you know, it's a good thing. Did you support Senator Rogner, the, the bailouts of, uh, of the nuclear plants? Uh, I did not vote for House Bill 6. Uh, so, no, I, 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 I did not vote for or against it. I was actually out of the country um, for that vote. The underlying, you know, here's the other sad thing. I mean, the underlying legislation, while I'm a conservative and I do not support subsidies or bailouts, uh, you know, the interesting thing about House Bill 6 is that, you know, net, net, it would result in overall cost savings for the, for the rate payers, uh, and lower subsidies overall. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, though, I do support House Bill 6's repeal, and I have signed on to a bill to repeal it because now, because of the whole corruption scandal, everything's been thrown into question as to would this bill have passed on its own merit. Uh, and another merit of the bill would have been, hey, you know, there's, we, need to, we do need diversity of an energy portfolio. Uh, my background, I'm a mechanical engineer. I come from the utility industry. And, you know, with coal, it's kind of going by the wayside. Wind and solar don't make enough megawatts to power the state. So that leaves gas and nuclear, you know, natural gas and nuclear. And if nuclear were to disappear, all we would have is natural gas. And so then we're like, okay, all our eggs are in one basket there. Is that really where we want to be? So, so I mean, so that's, that, there is an underlying question that we do need to discuss, but, but we need to be able to have that discussion without this, now the cloud of corruption over the whole thing. So I am supporting the repeal of House Bill 6 because okay. pretty much, like, sort of like Lance Armstrong, I could just draw this analogy. Now I understand this, this is much more serious than the Lance Armstrong <clears throat> analogy, but he's a fine bicyclist, right? And he wins the Tour de France. But then, then they figure out he was using substances to enhance his performance, and they rightfully stripped him then of his title. Uh, so it's very similar to that. Like now we're wondering, would House Bill 6 have ever passed the House 
without that corruption scandal ensuing. So, yeah, without, I think we need to reset yeah. it and then take a step back and then take a look at our overall energy portfolio in the state of Ohio and say, is it where it needs to be? I, I, I like the answer. I would tend to agree. Um, we, we do need um, to continue uh, to pursue nuclear energy. Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily know that the coal is going by the wayside, but I do. I, we certainly can't have our eggs not just in one basket, but even perhaps two small baskets. So I completely Correct. agree with that. But we can't, we can't do it if we can't trust uh, you know, how it's being done. And, and so I want to go back to the other question that I asked you about Republicans and whether or not Ohio voters can trust Republicans again. And the reason I say that, of course, again, it's not just Speaker Householder, but we're going to see who else falls in this. Uh, and we have the former, you know, uh, ORP chair, Matt Borges, involved in this, et cetera. Oh. I worry about our state in the hands of Democrats. And anytime there's oh. a scandal of this size, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Every time, anytime yeah. there's a scandal, that party pays a huge political price. Um, yeah. And I'm worried that Ohio voters are going to say, oh, the Republicans are corrupt, so get them out of there. And then suddenly we have a Democrat state majority in the legislature and maybe even a Democrat governor down the line. i got to tell you, it terrifies me. So what, yeah. what can you as a Republican senator tell the people <laughs> of Ohio about about that? Yeah, well, I, I do share your concern, Bob, that that would be how many of the voters would take it. However, I will say that, uh, you know, there are going to be bad apples uh, in any basket that you look in, whether it's Republicans or the Democrats. Keep in mind, it was a minority in the House of Representatives. It was a minority of Republicans that voted for Speaker Householder to become Speaker. And it was the majority of Democrats that handed him the gavel. Uh, so, you know, the Democrats certainly are not without fault here. In fact, Brent Larkins is, and he's, you know, he's not... Not generally favorable to our folks, but he did uh, take a whack at the Democrats here recently, saying that they they basically handed uh, him the power. So to answer your question, I would say to you, to all the listeners and to the voters of the state of Ohio, uh, just take a look at the individual candidates for whom you are voting, uh, whether it's, it's Trump or an, in, um, your state representative or a state senator. Look at their track record look at their values and what they stand for. Are they for limited government? Are they are they pro-Second Amendment? Are they pro-life? Uh, you know, and do they have the track record to prove it? Uh, and, and, and then vote accordingly. I don't think it's ever wise, Bob, to take, um, you know, <laughs> to throw the baby out with the bathwater, really, and to put, you know, and, and because there's one bad apple to throw out the whole bushel. Uh, I think yeah. that would be a huge mistake. Yeah, so and of course... Well, we'll have, I apologize. We're going to have to wait and see, obviously, whether or not any other apples were involved in this uh, yeah. as the FBI investigation yeah. is revealed. So uh, that's that's, right. that's obviously important. Let me pivot, if I may, because I mentioned, uh, you know, God forbid we have a Rep uh, Democrat governor. Many of us feel yeah. like we do now, uh, and I'm, I apologize for that, but I don't really no, because... I'm one of them. I yeah, I, I am not a fan yeah. of Mike DeWine. I wasn't a fan of his in the primary, to be quite honest with you. I don't know that Mary Taylor would have been the uh, greatest thing in the history of the world, but I supported her, and now I kind of am seeing why. Um, what is your take on this mandatory mask order? What is your take on this constant threat of going back under lockdown? What is your take on the governor's coloring book, where one is red and one is purple and one is yellow and one is orange, and if this one goes into this one, we're going to shut everybody down again? I, I got to tell you, I, you know, I know I, he's I getting a lot of praise. He's getting praise. He's getting praise nationally for his leadership. And here in the state, I'm looking at him and going, I don't no, know what this guy's no, doing. I don't no. think he could be mismanaged worse than he is. Uh, go ahead. 
Yeah, let me share with you, first of all, my philosophy and what I'm trying to do about it down in Columbus. So, uh, you know, overall, I, I, I oppose um, the, the government mandating or trying to mandate what, what people put on their faces. I oppose uh, the government shutting down broad swaths of businesses across the state and, and forcing people to stay in their homes under... And then having these penalties that are attached, it's 90 days in jail and $750 fine. It's a second-degree misdemeanor to violate these orders. And I think that is absolutely wrong. Um, so, you know, and I just, you're right, the whole coloring scheme is, is, the whole point of that originally was to say, okay, you know, if, if this county has more COVID than the other counties, they can more tailor their approach, but... But, but that sort of went out the window this last week when he said, okay, everybody's got to wear masks. I mean, so it's just, I'm, I am definitely wildly opposed to that. And to that end, um, you know, I have written an op-ed in our local papers. I have also introduced legislation down in Columbus to try to rein it in on many different fronts. Let me give you a couple examples of those. Um, Senate Bill 311 is a, a bill that I have introduced that's in the Health Committee in the Senate right now, which would say, Basically, that the governor and the health department cannot isolate or quarantine anybody, um, and it literally says uh, who has not either been directly exposed to or medically diagnosed with a disease um, for the subject of the order. So you can't just start shutting down businesses and locking people in their homes that aren't sick. I mean, so that's from Senate Bill 311 that I have sponsored. Uh, Senate Bill 31, which is another bill of mine, is uh, uh, stuck in conference committee now, but that would prohibit contact tracing uh, without written consent by the individuals. Um, That's important. That's huge. That is that That is is so huge huge in terms of our constitutional rights. Uh, And contact tracing is a strict violation, seriously, of of essentially the Fourth Amendment uh, for them to do that. I I completely concur. Uh, In the interest of time, I'm going to ask you about Senate Bill 55, which he had, which Ah, he vetoed, of course, uh, uh, over a week ago. You know, uh, saying that this is in the public interest. You know, I, 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 if I'm you, if I'm a member of the General Assembly, I'm extraordinarily offended that you are being cut out of the process of trying to develop a response to the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. You don't get a say. All power rests with the Ohio Department of Health. And this bill, of course, 55, would have limited that power. And he vetoed yep. it, saying, nope, the executive authority here will prevail over all else. I thought you guys were one-third in the checks and balances system of our government. I thought you guys were one-third uh, of, the, uh, of the power. And apparently you get no say. Well, we're supposed to be. However, uh, to override the veto, we need uh, 20... 20 votes in the Senate, um, mm-hmm. three-fifths majority, and I, I know certainly I'm, I'll be one of those 20 votes for sure uh, all day long, but you know, I, I, I think it's going to be up to the Senate president when they call uh, that vote to override, and I just, I, my guess is he has to make sure we have the votes to do it. So, but I'm, is he I'm, doing I'm anything? Is, 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 is Senator Aboff uh, doing anything to whip up those votes? I don't know because I'm I'm I assume he is, but I'm not in leadership, um, so I'm not 
I don't know about that. I hope he is. I certainly hope he is. I do and too. I, I'm, I don't get a lot of. I don't. I don't have a lot of confidence that he is doing a heck of a lot here to do anything that that uh, goes against Governor DeWine. And there have been a lot of people who have speculated as to why that is. Perhaps post-term limit appointments, etc. I don't know. But all I know is I'm not seeing a whole heck of a lot of leadership from your party on in either side, quite frankly, in trying to undo the extraordinary damage that has been done by the governor in terms of his response to this virus. Yeah, well, Bob, I certainly am doing my part. I'm trying with bills I've introduced and and have voted on. So, yeah, uh, and I'm glad you are. To do so. I'm, I'm glad you yeah. are. I just wish there were there were more, uh, and that we had a little bit more leadership in this regard. Because, you know what. Senator Rutner, you know, can, we, can you hold on one second here? Because I wanted to ask you about the schools too, but I'm hearing the music; it's getting louder, which means I got to shut up. Uh, let, me, right, let me good. let me I, let I me ask you more to... things I want to mention too. All right, good. Let's do that. Let's do that. I'll put you okay. on hold. We'll come All right thanks. back, Christina Rogner, with one more short segment coming up on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, 9.55 now uh, on 1420, the answer. Uh, quick update, that Bill Barr testimony today before the House Judiciary Committee that I started the show with such excitement over is being delayed. Apparently, uh, Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler was involved in a minor car accident this morning. He was not injured, but for whatever reason, it's enough to uh, postpone the testimony of Bill Barr. So it is going to be delayed. I don't know when it is going to happen now. All right, back uh, just a few more minutes left with uh, Christina Rugner, State Senator here, Senate District 27. So, uh, Christina, uh, go ahead and finish your thoughts on the other introdu- the bills you were talking about as far as um, undoing the, the governor's damage. And then I want to ask you about school. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. So I just wanted to highlight that there were a couple of uh, good bills that did come pass through the Senate and are over and pending in the House. Uh, And that was House Bill 272. The Senate did amend with two things. Uh, One is, if you remember that primary in March, like the night before, uh, they basically shut down in-person voting. Yes. And you know, that was that was in my opinion that was absolutely the wrong thing to do. The US Constitution says that the time, manner and place of elections can only be set by the General Assembly. A court uh, agreed with so, you. A court a court told him he can't do that and he did it did it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So House Bill if we put into Senate put into a House bill again, just to reemphasize that that the time, manner and place of elections can only be set and modified by the General Assembly. Uh, we shouldn't have to do it because it's in the US Constitution, but we put that in there. As a, just to reinforce it, Senate, if we protect the religious freedom, uh, House to the Senate specified that no state official can order the closures of places of worship, um, which is also important. So that that those are two good things that uh, came out of the Senate Definitely. recently, and also Senate Bill 308, where we provide immunity from liability for small businesses because of the whole COVID uh, 19 thing. The businesses shouldn't, uh, you know. Be, be at risk on top of everything else from no, from. Uh, no, I completely blocking. agree. And, and as to uh, Senator, as to the um, uh, the religious freedom, uh, it's one thing to say they can't close churches, but now we got to go to got to go a step further. Allow churches to operate as churches do. They're making that they're limiting the number of people who can be in a service. They are uh, saying you can't sing uh, because you might be projecting droplets into the air when you sing, et cetera, et cetera. That's oh, the next no. part of this yeah. is allowing churches to do what churches do. That's important. Yeah. But I'm going to I'm going to spend a couple of minutes here. The last two that we have actually on uh, on schools. Um, do because and, and, on know, that one, Bob, I'd like to give a shout out to Liberty Valley Church. They're awesome. 
Okay, very good. Very good. And I think you're, you're, yeah, there. Uh, I think you're one of your producers goes there as well. Oh, but, I know. Uh, yeah, Marcy told me she she saw you at a service. Uh, so that's yeah. uh, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah. happy to give that shout out. Should the children be in schools in classes starting next month? Because it looks like a lot of districts are saying, nope, not going to do it. We're going to do distance learning. We're only going to be in school with actual physical in school in person classes one day a week or two days a week, etc. Children have virtually zero risk of of this disease and there is zero to my understanding conclusive evidence that children mm-hmm. can spread it to adults for goodness sakes uh because of the yeah. nature of this this coronavirus so should we be in school or not uh i think we should be yes that's an easy one i've got three kids in school uh one, one's in college two are in high school and uh yeah i think, I think I, their help their kids have Strong immune systems. They're they're they need to learn. It's such an important time, and in in, in every month that's wasted in not being educated. That's just damaging to them. Yeah, and, uh, and it looks like they're leaving a lot of it up to the local school districts to make their own decisions. Can or should the state go a little you know further here and say no? You must have in even the CDC. Everybody says well, listen to the science. Listen to the science. Listen to the CDC. They said it is yeah. critically important to open the schools and make sure the children in cl- are in classes. Yeah, no, right. I personally, I do to be in school, and certainly the state should never should not say that you can't be in school. Uh, when it comes, although I am a big supporter of local control, so I think if there's a particular local school district that's making a, a decision one way or the other, I think the people in that community uh, can reach out to that school board directly and personally because you're so close, you're in the same community. That's why it's the beautiful thing of local control. Right. So uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I guess I would not have the state mandate that they have to go back, um, but I would encourage everyone. What do you? What, what would you say, Senator, What would you say to the teachers' unions who are largely against going back? They're afraid for their membership. They're saying that if we go back in, we could be in jeopardy again. Even though there is zero evidence that children can transmit this disease, especially asymptomatically. What, what do you say to the teachers? Yeah. So um, first of all, I don't think. All the teachers are saying that, uh, you know, certainly with ones that are, you know, that <laughs> don't don't teach. You're going to be the school. Yeah, the it's, the, day, it's the right? unions, though. It's the, it's the union leadership it's that are the saying union. this. They're yeah. the ones who are arguing, and not just in Ohio, but nationally. They're complaining about being uh, forced to go back in unsafe conditions and teach. I just And I'm with you. I, I, your answer is fine to me. If you don't want to teach, resign your job, and somebody else will get hired who will go in and teach. I just I feel yeah. like they are trying to avoid having to go back into Working. schools and doing their jobs. Exactly. They really right. liked the second yeah. semester where they got to stay at home yeah. and everybody else got to stay home, and they sent the lesson down the... Uh, online uh, to to the kids to do it at home and uh, and then they didn't have to deal with it. I, I feel very and again, strongly about that. I, I would say that's true about the unions. I mean, I don't I'd like. I, I don't want to lump all teachers in that because I know we have so no. many good, great teachers that want to be in the classroom and want to teach. And God bless them because it's a hard job and they're awesome for doing it. So right, uh, no, it's the yeah, unions I'm talking the about. Union, that are, yeah, just to be clear, right? So I would say. Um, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, give me a break. Senator, Senator Christina Rogner, thank you so much. There's a lot of ground that we had to cover there, and uh, we probably still didn't get to all of it, but I appreciate the work oh, you're doing with those proposals. Fun. Thank you so much, thank and I hope you. we can talk thank again. Thank you. All right, Thank you care, very much. That's a Christina Rogner, Rogner State Senator. We'll get out now, so we have time for Kersenau, who's next, and 1420 The Answer.